0: Welcome to this new nutrition business podcast. My name is Julian Mellantin, and today I'm going to talk to you about how in the food and drink industry, we're at a turning point and business models which promise jam tomorrow are toast. Now, some of you may not be familiar with this term jam tomorrow, but it's a pretty common English language expression, which refers to doing something in the hope that things will be better tomorrow and you'll get your desserts even if they're pretty bad today and you're having to go without. And this Jam Tomorrow idea has been at the base of a lot of business models in health and nutrition for the past 10 years. Those companies who are still pursuing hope of Jam Tomorrow are about to get an enormous shock. If you want your business to succeed in food and health, it's important to understand economics as much as nutrition science and consumer beliefs. Over the next 18 months, we're going to see the chickens come home to roost for businesses that have neglected to focus on creating a successful business model. Now, a large part of what's happened in our industry, the surge of new brands and great innovations, the the new technologies that promise new foods, all of that really stems from what's happened to the global economy since the 2008 global financial crisis, which you'll sometimes see referred to in the the business press as the GFC. And a lot of what we see, a lot of the activity in our industry is a result of quantitative easing, referred to usually, again, in places like the Wall Street Journal as QE. Because what happened in 2008 is, fearing a massive 1930 style economic slump, the central banks of the world, the US Federal Reserve, the European Central Bank, and lots of others, they reacted To the the financial crisis and the shortage of cash in the economy by printing money on an unprecedented scale. Now, of course, in the 21st century, this doesn't mean actually running a printing press, it means creating some figures on a screen, but it amounts to the same thing. They also drove interest rates, which is the price of borrowing money, down to historic lows. In the UK, for example, interest rates fell to their lowest level since 1695 and have been there pretty much ever since. While Sweden became the first country to have a negative interest rate, meaning that if you borrow money from a bank, they pay you, not the other way around. So the central banks did this because they thought they'd learned the lessons of the 1930s when you had a huge contraction following uh, an economic crisis. So they were trying to prevent that by making sure there was plenty of money washing through the system. And in fairness to the central banks, they've actually been quite successful. The financial system did not implode. Banks got refinanced. The economy continued. And to everyone's surprise, inflation did not pick up. And for those of you who are familiar with with economics and um, the 1930s or the 1920s, you will know that pumping lots of money into the, the economy Is historically associated with causing inflation. That didn't happen this time around. So we've had a period where the cost of money has been artificially suppressed. And that and the absence of inflation has left politicians and central banks with a view you can continue like this printing money possibly indefinitely without any inflationary impact. Now if you think the money printing that's happened in the past 10 years called QE was big, Wait until you see what happened when coronavirus came along. Central banks ran the printing presses again to provide the money to pay for lockdowns, personal protective equipment, vaccines, and so on and so forth. Between the beginning of 2020 and now, January 2022, the US Federal Reserve printed more money than it had done in the whole of the previous 10 years. And what happened to this money? It didn't go to average people. It was available for banks and financial institutions to borrow and use to fund their own investment activity. And that was exactly what the central banks wanted to happen. So if you want to understand why this has has led to some kind of bubble, there's a pretty good place to go, which is the Bank of England website, where they explain that their objective was to get people to use this cash to buy assets and to keep the economy moving along. House prices have surged in most countries. In some countries, ridiculously so. New Zealand, for example, now has some of the most disconnected and preposterous house prices in the entire world that bear no relationship whatsoever to people's incomes. Stock markets were inflated. The US stock market stands at a higher value than it's ever had. And you'll find plenty of people willing to justify all of this and explain to you that this is all for very good reasons. The problem, of course, is that it isn't. and environment in which we operate has changed. Now for the financial community, finding themselves with easy access to giant amounts of very cheap money, they had to get a return on their investment and they were running out of things to invest in. They'd bought all the property, they'd bought all the houses, they'd bought all the office buildings, they'd bought all the shares, they'd bought all the bonds, they have bought all the Bitcoin. So from about 2010, Investors began to embrace food and beverage startups with enthusiasm, especially any that promised to deliver disruptive innovation. Talk about anything to do with plant based, changing the food supply, reinventing the food system, or claim to have some kind of unique technology or create a new category, and you got money hosed at you. So, in the food industry, and particularly in food, nutrition, and health, we've had a decade in which everyone and anyone could launch a startup and easily raise capital. But now in 2022, inflation is at a 30 year high and central banks are reluctantly realizing it's time to turn off the printing presses and time to start raising interest rates. Now, if you believe the media reports, this inflation is transitory and COVID related. And indeed, there is some component of it, which is because of COVID. But there are many other factors behind it, much bigger drivers. One of them, for example, is the failed energy policies of governments in the United States and Europe and Canada? Energy is needed for every aspect of our economy. Energy cost is pivotal, for example, in producing fertilizer for agriculture. And because the price of energy has surged, what you'll see is fertilizer prices have rocketed over the past 12 months. And that, in turn, will have a huge impact on input costs for the food industry. High inflation supported by these high energy costs, reduces the disposable income that consumers have available to buy groceries. And high interest rates eat into what they have to spend. It's quite possible we may find ourselves in a similar inflationary situation to the 1970s, where people are struggling to get their wages to go up, faced with higher costs on their mortgages and their loans, faced with higher food bills, and therefore reluctant to spend their money. On anything that's new exciting and different because they're too busy trying to deal with the basics what does all this mean it means that all those business models based on the jam tomorrow narrative of disruption and creating new categories and are focused on growing sales rather than achieving profit because the profits will come along later what some people refer to laughably as the amazon model they're all going to be in big trouble as the era of cheap and easy money comes to an end In the United States, for example, you'll already be familiar with Beyond Meat, the maker of plant-based meat substitutes. It has rising financial trauma. Despite a billion dollars of money being invested in this company, which, by the way, has never made a profit since it started trading in 2016, it has been unable to produce products that have sufficient taste and texture to delight consumers. Its sales growth has been impressive, but has flattened off. In the first nine months of 2021, the company did an impressive $364 million in sales, but it also produced a loss of 92 million, which was almost double the loss in the whole of the previous year. Now, this is not what you expect from a business that's supposed to be high growth, market disrupting, and redefining the age of protein. And that's because it was never going to do those things. The business model took no account of the technology that's needed to produce good-tasting plant-based foods. It ignored consumer insights, and the investors who put in a billion dollars had far more money than they knew what to do with, very, very cheaply, and literally no idea what they were investing in. Another company experiencing impressively growing sales, but impressively growing losses, is Oakley, the Swedish company. Everyone's heard of Oatly, the world's best known oat milk, and the company has stated really quite openly. It has an Amazon-type business model focused on getting to a billion dollars in sales. Unfortunately, the only way it can get there is by spending its way there. And that's why, alongside growing sales, the company's losses have spiraled. In the first nine months of 2021, Oatly produced $457 million of sales. It produced an operating loss of 121 million dollars. That was double the loss in just the first nine months of the whole of the previous year. And I can hear one or two people saying, oh yes, but once they get the sales there, then they'll be able to recover the profits. That I'm afraid is not how food and beverage works. The market is highly competitive. There are many me too's. Supermarkets don't like it if you go around pushing up prices the whole time. The Beyond Meat and Oatly business models are two examples of giant businesses focused on the Jam Tomorrow strategy, which might have worked perfectly well in tech, but was never going to work in food and beverage, and in an era of inflation and rising interest rates, definitely isn't going to work now. And it's not just in the US market, and it's not just giant companies that have got a problem with a Jam Tomorrow business model. In the UK, a plant-based yogurt business called The Collaborative has managed never to make a profit in 10 years, despite being run by a highly successful food entrepreneur and backed by Californian venture capital. The brand, called The Collaborative, sells basically coconut yogurts and desserts. The guy behind it has a tremendous track record of success. And yet, the products clearly don't deliver well enough on taste and texture to meet consumers' expectations. The collaborative sales have fallen short even of its own forecast. It said in a media interview in 2019 that it expected to reach total revenue of about $30 million in 2020 and increase that to $40 million in 2021. Its recently published financials reveal that in 2020 it actually got $20 million in sales, so that's about 30% below its target. And the financials also show that it doesn't seem to have made a profit in 11 years. The company's got no shortage of capital to drive its sales forward. It took an investment from Power Plant Ventures, a Los Angeles-based firm that describes itself as providing, quote, capital, strategic guidance, and operating expertise to visionary teams, leading disruptive plant-centric brands. Well, whatever it is that Power Plant Ventures is providing the company, it's not making any difference since the collaborative's financial performance has worsened since the California folks got involved and it hasn't got better. And staying with plant milks a little bit longer, one of our favourite examples of investors running away with an idea, which even in the good times didn't seem to go very well, is a Swedish company called Veg of Lund. It's one of those peak of the cycle companies when people are no longer asking themselves the tough questions when they invest. Veg of Lund has created a potato milk. Yes, that's right. A plant-based milk based on potatoes sold in the UK under the brand Doug and sold under a different name in Sweden. It's in fact only 6% potato, it's mostly water. And the company's share prospectus talked about it achieving a sales target of about $30 million by 2023. Well, it looks like, according to the financial figures available in Sweden, it's only got about $200,000. So they're nowhere near where they want to be. Not only that, the company's losses have increased. In 2020, the company made a $2 million loss. The product, well, doesn't perform too well on taste, and it's also coming into a market in which people can already choose much better tasting almond, oat, and many other types of plant milk. It's very hard to see how veg of Lund's potato milk could be more than a super niche product, and that will not be enough to get it back to profit. Quite likely, it may become a case study of failure Now, if businesses like these in the allegedly high-growth area of plant-based, which is what consumers want, if they cannot make money now during the good times, what's going to happen to them when inflation and higher interest rates really get stuck into them? It's even going to be a problem for companies like Chobani. Yes, Chobani, a business that everyone admires, which created the Greek yogurt category in the United States, It's a business that's been all about innovation and sales growth, but we now learn from its recently available financials that it's neglected to focus on generating enough profit. Chobani has lost money every single year since 2016, so it makes a profit on its operations, but it doesn't make enough profit to cover the costs of all the money that it's borrowed to invest in factories and equipment. This is a bit shocking because this business has been going since 2007, so it's had plenty of time to turn things around. Financial analysts have pointed out quite rightly that if Chobani loses money now at a time when interest rates are at a historic low, things are only going to get worse if interest rates rise as many expect. And if consumers start to think more carefully about what they spend money on, it doesn't matter how many fantastic, innovative products Chobani comes out with, more price-sensitive people will be less likely to buy them. So, in summary, food and beverage markets, markets for anything to do with health and nutrition are probably at a turning point. Jam tomorrow business models are toast. Established businesses, family-owned ones, privately-owned ones, even publicly quoted ones, but the important thing is, if they have know-how, if they have scale, if they've actually bothered to focus on doing that old-fashioned thing of generating enough profit to pay the bills for the past 10 years, these are going to be the ones well-placed to get through a period of inflation and higher interest rates. And you know, some of these businesses might actually be able to buy at knockdown prices all the companies who forgot that you're supposed to make profit and not just focus on sales the whole time. Billionaire investor Warren Buffett is claimed to have said that it is only when the tide goes out that you can see who has been swimming naked. Well, already we can see who it is that's going to be begging for a beach towel thank you all for listening to this podcast. I hope you found it enjoyable. You'll find lots more useful information if you go to our website, which is www.new-nutrition.com.